Welcome to The Intentional Dad, the podcast for men and their families on the journey to embrace and fulfill the promise of fatherhood. You are listening to the second of two parts of a conversation uh, between me and my dad, and we are discussing the topic of generational momentum. And in the first part, we unpacked a lot of things and um, started with just some foundational ideas that help us to understand this issue, things like wounds, messages, and agreements. And uh, we had started to dive into uh, an important part of my dad's story, where he began to realize some very important things. And in realizing that, uh, together, we had a very special discovery of the bigger picture of how his story impacted mine. And then we started looking at a bigger picture still. So the conversation is just going to pick up where we left off. So I invite you back into the conversation as we join in progress where where we left off. Real aha started to hit for you and me. Yeah. Because so, okay, painful stuff, dad. Um, And all the things that we said, right, about this is just we don't do shame, right? This, mm-hmm. this is, this is something we say in our family all the time. We just fight for this all the time. We don't do shame. Right. And so the aha to help our listeners understand, we have to talk a little bit about our story. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and one of the realities of growing up, um, you weren't the most consistent provider. Right. Right. Exactly. And, and, you know, there, there are a lot of memories I have just being very afraid um, growing up in a house where discussions about could we buy groceries this week or pay the electricity bill kind of thing, right? You know, and as a young boy, and, you know, and mom always reacted with deep fear around those things when they when they got when they got when they came to a head there were many times that mom just reacted in deep deep fear well her her background being of the same age was very very similar in that her parents were products while while her father was not a veteran he was a product of the depression right as was her mother right and so they the depression was unbelievable there when you see, if you ever have seen pictures of people yeah. selling apples for a nickel right. on a sidewalk that really happened oh yeah yeah um my yeah. mother-in-law your grandma right to the day she died right collected rubber bands right and aluminum foil oh she rinsed out she rinsed out ziploc baggies ziploc baggies yeah she um, saved bread bags yes yeah yeah oh, I, yes and and we all knew where that came from yeah yeah all of that was yeah. depression ch- right. children of depression and and that's what mom grew up in yes right and yes. so so there money was money was everything and and so that hit mom really hard yeah and so you know there was there's just a wave of fear, right, that, mm-hmm. that would unfold from these things. And it became a part of my wounding, right? Yeah. Um, and there's there's more of the story I share in the book. And that, that's not really the point right now. But what we started to see as we explored your story and your wounding 
in this particular moment, and no doubt this was not the only one with Grandpa, right? Mm -hmm. But what you start to see is there's a theme to these things, right? right? And what you began to see pretty quickly is, yes, I did make agreements. First, I made the agreement that I would never let my kids feel that chasm from me. And more subtly, but just as importantly, was being a provider, I will never let my role of being a provider get in the way of being there for my kids. Right. Right. Yep. And so gave us a ton of beauty, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you were true to that agreement. Yeah. Right. I mean, with me, like I said, coming back, you were there for everything, dad. I mean, where my dad's, um, primary, goal was to be the provider right mine was to be the dad right and so his sacrifice the sacrifice that i was right as the child of the provider right my providing right became the sacrifice right right and that is how the wounds started to hit me so here's the here's the aha, right? Yeah. This is where we were both like, oh holy, my gosh. Yeah, holy, <laughs> holy cow. Because guess guess what the path was that I started to started down. Yeah. Right? I, gonna, I took my wounding and I said, I will never put my family through this ordeal. Through this ordeal. Yeah. And so I started this huge achievement-oriented mindset around the agreement, the message, it's up to me. I am going to make this happen. Yeah. And I agreed with it. Right. And so I just started this huge achievement oriented life. Again, stuff I unpack in the book. Right. I called it mountain climbing. Mm-hmm. Right. It was a huge impact on my life. And, you know, there was one particular moment where the wounding became very acute. Um, where, you know, oh, I tell the, the story the, of the check, the newspaper. Yeah. Yeah. You tell the story of the check, which is a young boy. I had my very first paycheck. One of these fearful moments came where there was a lot of stress around money. And I saw an opportunity to offer my very first paycheck as a response to the problem. Right. And you don't even remember it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but you still spoke beautifully to it. And this is that picture of reconciliation that I was just talking about. Right. Y- you acknowledge that. In that moment, having taken the check, it it was wounding, Mm -hmm. right? You know, a young boy needed his father at that point to push the check back and say, I'm really proud of you. We are going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's what I needed. Right. Right. But in that moment, you know, there's lots of factors, right? Mom was just upstairs super upset. You were reeling from, oh, man how am I going to solve this problem? Right. right? right. You know, and, and I think in your mind, you were thinking, this is a really responsible thing my boy's doing. I want to honor that. Yeah. Right. I think that's probably what you were thinking. Right. Sure. So we can, we can acknowledge all of that and we can realize the enemy was there waiting to weave some pretty long lasting, deep messages. Stick his needle in. He did. And he did. Right. So the aha started to unfold, right. That, Okay. Grandpa 
provider sold out to just being the guy that was going to put a roof over the kids heads food on the table clothes on their back and, and not want for anything and not want for anything and work my fingers to the bone and oh you know culturally be part of the rebuilding of america mm-hmm. right okay that was grandpa you wounded by that said i am going to take the things i liked as a kid take the things i hated as a kid voila my fatherhood plan you executed it just like you agreed you would do and it impacted me perfectly perfectly <laughs> <laughs> right and so then i i became a father and i recognized that um there was a moment i call my crash and burn in mm-hmm. which I was confronted with the simple idea of being a stay-at-home dad, which spoke right to the agreement I made I all those never. years ago. I will never, ever put my family through that. Yeah. My way forward was to let it go. Because I can't be a stay-at-home dad and provide. I can't right. do that. Right. Right. And in that moment, I realized I love being a dad always have had a, a, just such a high value for fatherhood. But something had happened where what became more valuable to me was the pursuit of, a, of impressive things, mm-hmm. title, position, career, just had a numbing effect. And Desired in, neighborhood. And in one moment, I realized there was a massive hypocritical disconnect. Yep. And yep. that, that started my unraveling, right? That was... That and in the way, in the way it affected or the circumstance right. that you went through. Yeah. It was also a stigma. It was, right. And this is another thing. So this, was, this would have been not quite 15 years ago now. Mm-hmm. Stay-at-home fatherhood was still... Oh, what they made a you? comedy movie out of yeah. it. Yeah, just what are you talking about? Yeah, who does this outside of that comedy movie? Yeah, right. And that's a whole other story. It's in my <laughs> book. I, yeah, there I was fathered. What now I can look back and see were some very comical ways that my Abba fathered me through that. Mm-hmm. And save that for the book. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah. So not only did I see this huge disconnect and then have to come to terms with the shame I felt around stepping forward into that. Um, what we discovered as we were starting to unpack this is this generational momentum thing had a very particular way of playing out in our family tree. And then we put one more piece together because then we started thinking about things from grandpa's perspective, right? Oh yeah. And, oh, yeah. and we sat and you, you already, you already talked a lot about, you know, World War II veteran, child of the depression, all of that. But we also know, don't know a lot, but we know a little bit about mm-hmm. his relationship with his father. Right. Yeah. Because his father, um, the way I understand it, you might be able to fill in a few more gaps here, but the bits and pieces I heard over the years was that your grandpa, my great grandpa, um, Whatever town they grew up in is in California somewhere, right? Taft, California. Taft, California. And I'm yeah. not even sure where that yeah, is. Yeah, maybe it's not even there anymore. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah. uh, um, it's my understanding that he was known for two things. He was an incredible mechanic yep. and a raging alcoholic. 
Yep. And he had few moments of sobriety. When he did, he could fix anything. Yes. However, those were very rare. Yes. Because most of the time, it was where he could find the next bottle. Yep. And he was never Home. around. Never. Ever. And so Grandpa grew up in a home with no provision, no care, certainly no delight, right? Mm -hmm. He did not get anything from his father that a boy needs. That's about what we understand. Yeah. yeah. And so this is Grandpa's background, generational momentum, right? Here we yeah. go. And so that passes and, right along to him. And those stories that that Eric just provided, I never heard those from my dad. Yeah. I heard those from my grandmother. Yeah. So the tone was pretty bitter. Yeah. And so the, there may be a slant to that, but the message is still there. Yeah. And slant or not. Right. These things were reality. Sure. And it is not hard to imagine how that hit grandpa. Oh, yeah. Right? He was the baby. He was the baby. Scared all the time. I have no doubt that mm -hmm. fear was just constant for that little boy growing up. And I'm sure up. that was part of his drive. Right. Well, a major part of a his drive. A huge part of his drive. Yeah. Right. And so he made, he heard the messages that much like I did, it's up to me. I am going to be the kind of man that stands in the gap yeah. and make sure my family has what it needs. He quit right? school as, at the end of his sophomore year. Because he knew had it was to time to work. Yeah. Right. To work. And then he went off to the war. Mm -hmm. Right. Which, by the way, the hero part. Um, again, I might have some of the exact details wrong, but he was in an early wave of D-Day. Third wave. I, third wave. Yeah. And... Um, Again, details could be slightly off, but the magnitude is close. Yeah, I think it was Omaha. 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 His company? He was in an, in an engineering, engineering company. Engineering company. I believe the story goes he was one of six to survive out of his entire of, company. Yeah. One of six. Yeah. He's a hero. He, right? Oh, boy. So everything that we share about Grandpa in no way takes away from the honor that we feel for him, yeah. right? And the love we feel for him. Well, right? it was a, I went into the Marine Corps, but, but, um, volunteering yeah. was a part of the impetus for that right. was his background. Right. It was, you, you were compelled by your father, the hero. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And probably, related to some of the agreements and messages that we're talking about, right? I knew you kind of, I think you did start to feel some of grandpa's delight when you did that. Yeah. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. Part of it. Not the only reason you did it, of course, right. but that was part of it. Um, but anyway, so, so here we're starting to get this picture. I mean, this, this was three or four of these three hour conversations by now, right? Yeah. That we're kind of yeah. back in this and all of a sudden, whoa, our manly tradition, the way generational momentum hit us, I never knew it that clearly until this moment, right? That we could go back to my great-grandfather, see how that impacted my grandfather. Now I had a glimpse behind the curtain to see how his brokenness impacted you. And by then, by now, obviously, I have a ton of clarity on how your brokenness impacted me, ton of clarity on how my brokenness is impacting my kids, 
right? Yeah. And it yeah. it was it was like this pendulum thing. Sure. Um, for us, we'd kind of at that point, I think, received the gift God had for us in it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. By by now, it's like, oh wow, this is this is fascinating. This is mm-hmm. fascinating, right? And part of the reason that I bring up generational momentum in my book, again, coming back, is understanding these things is to understand what we're up against as fathers, right? I mean, this is, this goes, it's, it doesn't take long. You're just walking the path. Keep going. It runs yeah, all the way back to yeah. Adam, right? And the whole thing is, is that these are not um, tangible messages. Right. It's, it's stuff that just builds right. within. It's, it's the, these unspoken right. events, uh, unspoken um, just things that happen right. to you that have this, this tiny little thing exactly. that becomes this magic, massive mountain right. of intent. Right, right. And it just grows and grows. And just like my analogy of being a golfer with a really bad slice, right? Yeah. You know, for years, I played golf. I shouldn't have. (laughs) (laughs) That's my fault. (laughs) But I always played with this this horrible thing, you know, and it, it, it affects tons of golfers, right? And so everybody's an expert on how to fix it. Right. Just ask them. They'll tell you or just just hit a bad shot. And don't worry, you're going to get advice. Right. Yeah, and yeah. and here it comes. So you try all these things over and over. And of course, it never fixes it. Right. And that's really what we're talking about here. Right. In taking a hard look at father wounding and the reality of generational momentum is giving us a chance to really understand the problems, the issues, to to not just respond, and not even respond, react, to not just react to life, right? I mean, and and that's what most of us do. And again, that could come across to some as uh, a message of shame. It's not shameful, right? What else were we going to do? Any of us, right? I mean, who... Who taught you how to be a father, dad? Your dad did, right? But who taught him, right? His dad did. Yeah, there's never been a manual. Right, right. And if we, if there was, it would have been written in Greek. <laughs> um, but, you know, but then fast forward, and this is this is where my story had started to take me, right? Is in in my brokenness, in my crash and burn. One of the thir- one of the things I became aware of pretty early on was this issue of generational momentum, because I had stepped into my fatherhood with the same thought: here are the things I liked as a kid, here are the things I didn't like. Boom, a fatherhood plan done, and I'm going to get it right. You know, <laughs> naive, right? <laughs> um, and I, I started to realize that, right? And I was like, okay, well, what's going to break this cycle? And much like if you're going to fix a golf swing. You can keep taking wild guesses, show up on the course and let the 50 experts that are there that day help mm-hmm. you fix it. Or you could actually take a step you know is in the right direction and find somebody who actually truly does understand what's happening with your golf swing, help you to learn what's going wrong so that you have a tool chest to start learning how to fix it, right? It's the same principle here, right? 
there, there is a design for fatherhood. It is there. And no, we grew up in a broken line of fatherhood where it is muddied at best what that design is. So for me, that turned into a heart cry to my heavenly father. Help me begin to sort out what is part of your design and what's not. And that is a story I totally, again, I unpack that in the book, but here is the fundamental starting point, the bottom line starting point. The healing that we begin to pursue as we identify wounds, first and foremost, goes to your core identity, right? So much of fatherhood is built on proving something, right? Yeah. Yeah. So much is built on that idea. And the core healing idea that starts to fix the slice, if you will, is you have nothing to prove. This is, this is the message from our heavenly father. That is the foundation for understanding fatherhood as I father you. So you father your children. It is a life of deep, deep intimacy with God built around the idea that you are loved. You belong. You have nothing to prove. And the more we learn to live from that, the more we have to offer the true design of fatherhood to our kids. And that's how you drive a stake in the ground to stand and turn against the current of generational momentum. And that's, that's really where all of this leads. Right. Uh, But yeah, because once you have that understanding, there's no more sacrifice. Right. Um, as you were just saying that it 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 reminded me of the message I was giving myself mm-hmm. in that you can balance provision mm-hmm. and love and being there for your children mm-hmm. um, and being a husband right. And all the other things you have to be, mm-hmm. there's a balance. There can be a balance there. And yeah. that's where the work is, right. is in creating the balance, not yeah. in the job, the, right. you know, all of these, yeah. these categories. Well, it's offering all of those things from that free place, yes. right? It's, yes. all, it's, it's, it's jettisoning all these things that we feel the weight of. Of, you know, I've got, right. I've got to prove myself to be this kind of husband. I've got to prove myself, you know, and the measuring then, of course, becomes, you know, here's my perfect kids. That's how I'm proving mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I'm doing all these things right for my kids. Right. Um, I'm a perfect husband. That's how I'm proving I'm being a perfect husband. I'm a perfect employee. Right. It's just it's all this life built around proving things. Yeah. Right. At the same time. And hopefully you're you're. As you're listening to this, you'll also understand that no matter what you do, no matter who you are, there's going to still be wounding. Yes, right. Um, as I hope you've understood that what my dad, how my dad wounded me mm-hmm. was so innocent. Mm-hmm. He did nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. 
and the same thing, you know, from me to Eric with, mm. with the check, I don't think I did anything wrong, mm. but it still hurt. Yep. No, yep. it did more than hurt. Right. It, it had a profound impact. Right. Right. So, yeah. And, and be clear on what you're saying. I mean, in the moment you weren't thinking, boy, I'm going to really stick it to my kid. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. That's, that's what yeah, you mean. Yeah, yeah, it, you yeah, know, that yeah, wasn't no. your heart in that moment no, at all. I'm not right? turning him into a kebab. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, uh, you, you, you didn't look at me and say, I'm going to roast him right, right now. Right? right. Right. No. I mean, the, just for whatever reason, the things that went through your mind in that moment, you thought you were doing the best thing for me. Mm-hmm. That was your heart. Yeah. Right. It was not life the reality. Le- right? Life lesson. Right. And, you know, and that's part of part of the story with uh, with my daughter. That was such a beautiful um, reality of the way we finished our initiation journey is ways I had wounded her. We'd stepped into deep redemption mm-hmm. and, and healing for for all of that. And that's really that's the other aspect of this. Right. Is as, as we find ourselves more and more deeply rooted in living out of a life of intimate sonship, our deepest identity as beloved sons. It's not that it keeps us from wounding our kids. It means that the wounding is redeemed. The wounding is healed, Mm -hmm. right? It doesn't linger as unresolved, unredeemed wounding which that is the story so many men know. That is the story that has so many men kind of resigning in fatherhood to failure and regret. That's the fear that so many men carry because I think deep down they know they can't be perfect. I think they try. They try to find their way through without messing anything up. And then when the mess ups inevitably happen what do you do it's done it's over right and time goes on and distance grows misunderstanding grows and eventually a kind of a permanent coldness sets in it's just such a common story right and failure and regret ends up becoming the outcome um and that's the hope of all of this, right? It's not that you're it's not that you're immune from wounding. Um so intentional fatherhood is not about some magic pill that's gonna solve all of that, right? What it is is living in this intimate relationship with God that we understand who we are as beloved sons. We are on an intentional journey to bestow that to our kids that they're living deeply out of that identity um oh yeah dad just handed me something oh man you gonna this song brings tears to my eyes Come <laughs> it on. does me too uh, <laughs> <laughs> we have we've been talking about generational momentum from each of our individual yeah yeah lives yeah and how I think it was a pretty brilliant situation that you put yourself into in that you had a book in you. Yeah. And you could take generational momentum um, from an observation standpoint using God's perspective. Right, 
right. and keeping the shame out of it, right. but just facing the reality. Right, right. And during while you were talking about that, it hit me. There's an amazing song. <laughs> yes, there is. Yes, and, there is. And um, the song is, for me, has been an extremely personal song, mm-hmm. uh, an extremely emotional song. Right, right. But it is from the kid's perspective. Right. And he is able to voice the hurt. And he is Harry Chapin. No. He's you. Oh, man. (laughs) He's you, Dad. Right. My dad is talking about cats in the cradle, if you hadn't put it together. Um, I think, Dad, I'm going to guess that that song has had a place in your heart ever since you heard it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ever since you heard it. And I think you probably just put together something you hadn't quite put all the way together. Hmm. Sorry. Don't apologize, Dad. Dad. This is divine. You know what those tears are? In the kind of thing I do, Dad, that's healing. That's healing. Oh, every verse has spoken to me. Yeah. Every verse. Yeah. Read some of them. You got them up? I don't know if I did or not. It was published in, or hit the uh, Hot 100 in December of 1974. Yeah. Which, Ah, Dad, that was, was, I was seven months old. I was going to say, you were just born. Seven months old. So you were a new dad. And this song came into your world for the first time. And man, when you know your story, holy smokes. Holy smokes. So do you guys want to pause for a moment and do you want to give your dad a hug? Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> holy smokes, Papa. <laughs> Love you, Dad. Love you, too. <laughs> You really want me to read these? I do. Oh. I do. I do. I want you to read. Okay. <coughs> Harry Chapin, 
cats in the cradle. Yeah. My child arrived just the other day. He came to the world in the usual way. But there were planes to catch and bills to pay. He learned to walk while I was away. And he was taken, he was talking before I knew it. And as he grew, he'd say, I'm going to be like you, Dad. You know I'm going to be like you. I may not be able to get through this. And the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon, little boy blue and the man in the moon. When you coming home, Dad, I don't know when, but we'll get together then. You know we'll have a good time then. My son turned 10 just the other day. He said, thanks for the ball, Dad. Come on, let's play. Can you teach me to throw? I said, not today. I got a lot to do, he said. That's okay. And he he walked away. But his smile never did and said, I'm going to be like him, yeah. You know I'm going to be like him. And the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon Little boy blue and the man in the moon. When you coming home, Dad? I don't know when. But we'll get together then. You know we'll have a good time then. Well, he came from college just the other day. So much like a man, I just had to say, Son, I'm proud of you. Can you sit for a while? He shook his head and he said with a smile, What I'd really like, Dad, is to borrow the car keys. See you later. Can I have them, please? And the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon. Little boy blue and the man in the moon. When you coming home, son? I don't know when. But we'll get together then, Dad. You know we'll have a good time then. I've long since retired. My son's moved away. I called him up just the other day. I said, I'd like to see you if you don't mind. He said, I'd love to, Dad, if I could find the time. You see, my new job's a hassle, and the kids got the flu. But it's sure nice talking to you, Dad. It's been sure nice talking to you. And as I hung up the phone, it occurred to me, he'd grown up just like me. My boy was just like me. And the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon. Little boy blue and the man in the moon. When you coming home, son, I don't know when, but we'll get together then, Dad. We're going to have a good time then. Generational momentum. Mm. Dad, it's not just today. I am so grateful of course, to have had the chance to sit with you and talk. We've, again, shared something really special. Um, What I'm most grateful for, Dad, is how much we've been able to do this in the last year, how much we've discovered, how much God has redeemed. Um, What it has helped me... Uh, well, number one is the intimacy that you and I have regained. Mm-hmm. Um, quite honestly, 
not all that long ago, we we had some differences of opinion, mm-hmm. and we had somewhat grown apart. Mm-hmm. And there's been a lot of healing going there's on. Been a lot, been a lot, and it started really with this path we went down of the father wounding and the yeah, generational yeah. momentum. That's that's really where God began to give us what he had for us was in that. You know, I and I think your your um path that you have taken in in realizing that your your career um despite all of the the education and and achievement oriented things that you were toward the you were really a child of god mm-hmm. and that path that you decided to take has um led to a different perspective mm-hmm. to the point where you are now with the book and all of that has helped you to ask the right questions. Mm. I was just the willing participant that wouldn't <laughs> keep his mouth shut. <laughs> um, but the, all of that has, I guess that's all to say that none of this is coincidental. Mm. Mm. Uh, it's just taking and accepting the opportunity to do something about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you ask the questions and I say, mm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and things, things unfold. Things unfold. Yeah. Yeah. So. And this is, this ties into something that's just so, so, sometimes I wish I had better words to express what was on my heart. Um, I guess I just point to some experiences. Right. And I'm hoping that this conversation gives a glimpse beyond any words that I could say. Um, part of what has been so fulfilling, so joy giving to me is the redemption for you as a father in what we've walked through. Right. I mean, you, you speak into the strain that we have known in our relationship over the years. Look where we are. And, you know, one of the ways I try to, I try to share with men and families about what it is that I do now as an author, sharing our stories on a podcast, having coffee with guys, just whatever it is, I just so desperately want a man and his family to know that failure and regret are not the final word. Right. They're not ever, 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 ever. Right. I mean, it, it can be so easy dad for a man who you know you you have you have years of influence with your kids right when they're tiny you have just a stage of primary influence and then it's gone and so many men out there so many just kind of get through that chapter of their journey and they get what they get and sadly a lot of times when you boil it down we just might describe it as it's in a state of failure and regret. That's just where things land for a lot of men. And unfortunately, 
that's where it stays for a lot of men. And I think for a lot of those men, they need someone to hear or to tell them so they can hear. It is not inevitable and it is not too late. And just look what God has done for us, right? How much he's redeemed. It does take effort, though. It does. It does. It, does it takes take courage, yeah. right? And it takes a willingness to step into things that... You don't you know may, what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen, <laughs> and you, you may be skeptical, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. and again, I you know I can understand where some of that skepticism comes from, but once you're able to just kind of put that aside, and like you said, start asking the right questions, start moving toward the promises mm-hmm. that are there, then there's redemption and there's healing in this, right? And then for younger men um, with younger kids, the outcome of failure and regret is not inevitable. It's right. not. It's not going to be perfect. That is, it, there is no perfection here. One of right? the hard things in all of this that it's been for me is trying to grasp the thought that wounding will happen. Yes. Because you never know, you never know yeah. the source of that wound. Yeah. I mean, from the father's from the human perspective. From the human mean, perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. As as Eric talked about, all he did was hand me a check mm-hmm. that I accepted. That hurt him. Mm-hmm. All I did was see a thirty foot chasm between my dad and I Mm -hmm. at a baseball game. Mm -hmm. Totally innocent in both cases. Mm -hmm. But it was quote unquote lethal. Yep. Now it'd be clear. Some, some men do experience. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, you know, you're, you're talking about, you're just talking about those things that might be easy to overlook as wounds. Um, you know, um, be be easy. Oh yeah. I'm not talking about, about, uh, child abuse or right. you know the, right. the physical things right right um right and you know and and picking up on your point right there right there, there's there's also an aspect to this walk into wounding um there's the wounds that are things that were done right um things that were said those tend to be things that uh that people can kind of put their finger on right away Ones that are a little harder, I call wounds of omission. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which was yours. Yes. It was what wasn't done. It's what wasn't said. Yeah. That can be every bit as painful and powerful and impactful, right? And I think that's why yours went dormant for so many years. And that can be harder to identify, right? Yeah, because... Because at the time of delight, yeah. because it was, in my memory, the first time he had been able to see me do right. something, right. because it was such a rare occasion that it was a, at a time when he could. Right. But the omission was, like we talked about yeah. before, it wasn't enough. Right. Right. Because your heart was designed and want and need something more yeah. from him. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, this has been 
phenomenal. <laughs> so <laughs> easy for you to say. <laughs> Dad, Dad's over there like I've got to have some recovery time. You know, but, uh, no, seriously, yeah. Dad. I, this all comes with two days of total sleep yeah, deprivation. Yeah, right. Yeah, we've we've had quite a story with that too. But um, now, before we wrap it up, Dad. Um, thank you on a couple of levels. And again, this is a time where the English language just falls short because my gratitude is deep enough. I don't have words to fully express it. I want to thank you for sharing the podcast with me. Yes. Thank you for pouring your heart out. Yes. Um, but beyond that, when I invited you into sharing the book with me, we had not started our path of reconciliation. That's true. And I knew that the things I had to share with you were going to be hard. And we talked about that as I invited you. And you said, bring it on. I don't think you know what that meant to me. You did it again. (laughs) (laughs) Dad, seriously, I have told guys as I've been writing this book, I'm so I'm so excited to share it. I am. And at this point, if nobody read it, it would be worth it because of what has happened right alongside it with you and me. It's it's icing on the cake. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Dad, I love you. And I am forever grateful for what God has given us and for what we share, for what we know and understand about one another. Um, And it hasn't stopped with just sharing the book. There's another aspect to all of this, right? There's, There's been parts of my story unfolding as I write this book, things that have taken me into some really deep-seated fears of mine. Mm-hmm. And as we have found reconciliation, you have found your place to offering what only you have and can give me. You have so many times now offered encouragement and support, delight, that in my years of healing, God has filled those gaps, right? And I have been in a place for a long time where God is giving that to me in my life of intimate sonship with him. And I've been at peace. But I'll tell you, over these last several months, as you've done that, I have realized that there's a part of my heart that you are only you were ever going to be able to speak to the way that a father can speak to a son. And with the encouragement that you have given time and time and time again, every time you give it, there is a part of my heart that just screams with joy. So I have so many layers of gratitude to say to you right now and sharing a podcast here is giving me a chance to not just say that gratitude to you, but to say it in front of all these listeners because I am so proud you're my dad. I love you. I love you. And you got this. (laughs) And that's what I'm talking about. (laughs) 
So um, I just want to, I guess it's time to wrap it up, right? Yeah, and, please. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, how do you wrap it up? I Thank you to my listeners, to all of you who joined us for this discussion. Uh, you know, as I have said several times in previous podcasts, everything we do with the intentional dad is with an eye towards encouragement and hope. And I guess if you take one thing away from our discussion is it's never too late. Failure and regret is not the inevitable outcome of your fatherhood, that there is a design. You can understand it and you can have healing, redemption, wholeness, victory in your fatherhood journey. That is our heart at The Intentional Dad. It is what I desperately long for every man in their family is to know the joy that awaits them through understanding these kinds of things, starting with father wounds and generational momentum. And I, I hope that by inviting you into a discussion with my dad today, that it inspires you on your own journey of understanding uh, inspires you on your own pursuit of reconciliation and your own pursuit to embrace and fulfill the promise of fatherhood and that you are encouraged and you're finding hope for what lies in front of you. That is our heart. That is our desire. And I just thank you for joining us. May God bless you and your family very richly. Mm-hmm.